The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Melissa Lee, and this is Fast Money. Tonight's trader lineup, Steve Grasso, Brian Kelly, and Delano Sapporo. Tonight on Fast, the bottom is in. Funtrat's Tom Lee out with a bold call in his epicenter stocks while he is betting on a big breakout in the reopening trade. Plus, check out the monster move in Dogecoin, the cryptocurrency surging more than 45%. And by the way, Bitcoin is almost back above 50K. We'll break down the trade, and later, get out your credit card. A bunch of retailers are reporting results next week. Each of our traders have the one name on their shopping list. But we start off with the tech trade roaring back to life today. The Nasdaq rallying 2.3% for its best day in more than two months. The S&P and Dow also posting big gains today, but it wasn't enough to erase losses for the week. All three major averages losing ground since Monday. So what is the setup as we head into next week? Brian Kelly, what was this week all about? Yeah, well, this week was all about inflation or not inflation. Are we gonna, is it going to be sustainable or temporary? That's what the market was trying to figure out, and that's what the market was trying to price in this week. And what was interesting about today's action is we actually saw some pretty uh, hot inflation numbers, particularly coming from import and export prices, uh, also coming from Michigan uh, inflation expectation. One year ahead and five year ahead were both higher than expected. But the equity market and, frankly, the bond market as well didn't respond to those. So that tells me that for now we have priced in any inflationary scare. Secondarily, if you're thinking about retail sales, which came out that were kind of weak, this kind of leaves it open for the Fed to stay loose for a long time, which probably feeds into the, uh, to the tech trade again. If you get stable interest rates, loose monetary policy, tech should do well. This sounds like Goldilocks. I feel like we were talking about this just last week, one week ago, Grasso, where we said we had strong data on one hand, but weak data on the other hand allows the Fed to be loose still, but allows the markets to advance here. Um, so, so where are we right now in sort of that range? Goldilocks, right, right in the center of Goldilocks. So all the, the, all the data points that Brian just laid out for us were accurate and they would make you think that the 10 year should be where? Above 2% at least, at the very least. How about it didn't even hit the 1.74% level? That to me says Goldilocks, it screams of Goldilocks. If you look at the tech trades, everything traded off just enough to let you get kind of back in. So you have Google had that monster earnings print, traded up 4% off the monster earnings print and then proceeded to trade down 10% from that level, kissed its 50-day, and then bounced again. Apple, 200-day, Tim talked about it during the week. 200-day moving average, it kissed that, it bounced it, it's bounced off it by about $5. Amazon, the same type of thing, wound up kissing the 200-day and is right around the 100-day. Facebook, bounced off the 50-day. Sort of a little bit for uh, for, uh, uh, a little bit of everything, for everyone that invests in the marketplace. You had a pullback on mega cap tech. People rushed in, bought it. They felt like they were getting a bargain. And now you start to see that resource trade 
the industrials, the materials, the energy space rallying yet again. That's where to put your money going forward. Yeah, so with the backdrop of uh, all those tech shares rallying today, Delano, we also saw NCLH, Norwegian Cruise Line, up 8%. We saw the ARCA Airline Index up 4%. We saw um, Alive Nation up 5.6%. I mean, concurrent with the tech rally, we had the reopening trade rally as well. So do we get sort of um, a decision finally next week? I mean, it, it seems like we have these days that are outlier days where everything rallies and then it breaks down again. Yeah, Melissa, and that's, that's exactly what I was looking to, to watch is we saw a wild week this week, and the data points that the gentleman mentioned prior are exactly correct. The market was pricing in, you know, the inflation data at the beginning of the week, and then we saw, saw a, a, a kind of a heavy bounce back based on, you know, obviously we had M1, M2, basically vertical, and so there is money in the system to be put into the market when we see some sort of pullback or dip. And that's the biggest thing I want to watch going forward because if we've seen the commentary from the Fed saying that, you know, the inflation numbers are transitory, that means that we need to see more data for the next, what, what do you call it, couple months, right, to, to really get a good gauge for investors to understand what's the biggest play there. But as we saw earlier with the survey that, you know, CNBC ran, the biggest thing for the market and for big fund managers they're looking at is what is happening with the inflation numbers. And that is what I think was driving the market at the beginning of the week, where the biggest pullback market movers got a little jittered, but that was uh, able to bounce back being with the money and monetary fiscal policy that we have currently in the market. It will be quite a summer if this is the kind of week we have every single week whenever we have inflation data. I mean, that's, that's what I'll say right now. Um, Brian Kelly, you know, in the University of Michigan, in the survey, um, which you'd mentioned, the expectation on the part of consumers of higher prices in the next year, it, that is clear. Um, about half of them expect higher prices, maybe even by as much as 5%. And I'm wondering, in terms of that consumer psychology, because the Fed can pontificate and put out theories and all that can make sense and be logical, et cetera, et cetera. But in the real world, if I'm a consumer and I'm worried that right. things are going to go up, I'm buying stuff right now um, because I'm anticipating. So there's a psychology that, exactly. that comes into play. So how does that impact your view of the markets, if at all? Right. Well, no, it does. I mean, that's that's why I keyed on that today, yeah. because that those inflation expectations are where it can get dangerous for exactly what you said. You start to get this inflationary spiral and you were already seeing shortages. So people go out and buy cars. I mean, look at what happened with toilet paper last year. Now it's the entire uh, economy wide. So that does impact my view a lot. And I've thought about what sectors will benefit. And I've thought about I said this last week and, and I think it's starting to to play out in the market, but I actually think tech could do pretty well in an inflationary environment. And here's why. All their input costs are likely not going up. You know, they are not using necessarily copper and steel and oil. And so they actually might be a bit of a safe haven in an inflationary environment, which may be a little bit of what we saw today. Tech does well in good weather and in bad weather, Brian Kelly. And at the same time, just quickly before I get to Grasso, tech can rally along with the reflation trade, that means? Because the economy can be hot and create yeah, inflation, I, I mean, but tech can be your safe haven. It, it, I mean, I think that could be the case, absolutely. Now, where that completely falls apart is if you really get much higher interest rates. I'm talking, uh, you know, long bond or 10 years above 2.5%. Right. Which I, I mean, I would imagine that that Chairman Powell would not allow that to happen um, for that sort of jump in the 10 year yield to happen. But Steve Grasso, I know that you're you're right. all in on the reflation trade. But how about that thesis that tech can also do well in that environment? 
I don't. I don't think he's that far off base. Uh, if if we stay <laughs> That's right here, a ringing here. endorsement. So we're we're in, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, I, I don't think he means uh, you know tech like Zoom. I, I don't think right. he means really high multiple names. I think he means a Google, a Facebook, uh, you know, and an Apple. I think I think that's what what BK is saying. So yes, I think they can do fairly well. Um, I, I wouldn't say that that's where people are going to run to put their money. But we're talking about rates below two. If you spike these rates, forget two. If you spike them to three, the only game in town is going to be the value play, right? So you're going to be into the diversified chemical space. You're going to be into all the industrials. You're not going to find a safe haven in any tech if we get to three percent. But you're not positioning for three percent. Are you? I mean, no, I'm not positioning yeah. for three. No, I no, I, no, I think I think three percent uh, is a little too steep. And I'm just enamored that we haven't got above two percent, which means to me that we entered in, into this environment in a very heavily deflationary environment. So I, I think a little bit of inflation will be a, a welcome sight. For me, I'm positioning for two, two and a half max, not three. I mean, even with all the inflation data we had this week, we weren't able to break above 1.74, which is the March high. So, I mean, that that seems to me to be really telling you something. Uh, meantime, let's get to our guest here. He says we are ready for a breakout. Fundstrat's Tom Lee calling it today. He says the bottom is in for his epicenter stocks. Those include names like Best Buy, Cat, AMD and Mosaic. Tom, of course, is a CNBC contributor, a fast money friend. He joins us right now. Tom, why do you think it's a bottom here for the epicenter? Um, I think four important things happened this week. The first is, and I think the most important, is the CDC lifted essentially all restrictions for fully vaccinated Americans. That not only speaks to how effective vaccines are, but I think it really hints to the policy lifting on the restrictions for cruise lines and things that have really been decimated during covid that's huge for Epicenter. The second is India cases are rolling over and that's really taking down the tail risk of a global shutdown. Third is the market had a failed attempt at a crash. Uh, the VIX didn't even manage to break 30 after rising 80% over three days and it's now fallen almost 50%. So uh, that's a big risk on signal. And then I think as an extra credit for those who followed DeMarc, small caps, which we think is a really important proxy for the epicenter stocks because it's full of epicenter stocks, actually had a sequential nine count on Wednesday. But on Thursday, it did exactly what we needed which on, a, on a relative basis to the S&P, registered a 13 buy signal on the combo. So this happened to energy stocks on April 23rd. What happened 10 days later, nearly a 20% rally. So I think there's a huge rally underway for small caps. Hey, Tom, it's BK. So I'm curious, the one thing that I'm looking at next week, obviously, is oil prices. You just mentioned energy. Um, Do higher oil prices help or hurt your small cap call? Uh, I think it's helping. I think what people have to do is adjust inflation for gasoline prices. For instance, even if gasoline hits $3 and and someone says it's a 10-year high, you have to remember on a nominal income basis, that's actually the equivalent of like $2.50 gasoline 10 years ago. So gasoline and energy and oil really have to push up towards that above 80 level, which is the Goldman target, before we start to say it's crowding out spending the way it did the last time it was at 80. So I, I think there's a lot of upside room, and I think it's a reflationary signal. 
Tom, when you look at your epicenter stocks, what, what do you think about the rest of the world, though? Broaden this out. I know where you stand. You know where I stand. But what do you feel about Europe, about the recovery there? Because I'm seeing a lot of different funds saying the real money to be made in the next six months to a year is going to be in those economies uh, ratcheting back up and reopening because they've lagged behind us. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't disagree with that. Because um, let's, let's think about the story arc. If the story arc is commodity prices are up, nearly 40% of the world are commodity producing countries because they export. Those are going to be booming economies and booming equity markets. Uh, as you point out, Europe is reopening and there's a lot of countries tied to European trade re improving and those are going to be great equities. But the one thing I would hesitate to say is I think we want our clients to own the best companies. And besides U.S. large cap, a lot of U.S. small caps actually dominate their markets and a lot of Mexican uh, countries, uh, companies in Mexico are blue chip, bluer chip than the S&P. I don't know if you find a lot of blue chips outside of the U.S. All right, Tom, we're going to leave it there. Always great to get your great. insights. Tom Thanks Lee, for having me. a fun strat. Um, we had a couple of screens that shows uh, Tom's epicenter stocks, names like Best Buy, Monster, Borg, Warner, Timkin, Pulte was an interesting one. Um, Delano, I'm wondering, which stocks do you like in terms of epicenter? You know, Melissa, I'm really looking at, you know, Target is one of the stocks that I like here. And I think the biggest thing for Target was they really outperformed competitors on a share price basis over the over the over the time of the, of the pandemic. Right. And, and the biggest thing now is, as we reopen, what happens with the, the, to the companies that really performed well? Target and the companies that were essential companies during that time. Target also had a strong e-commerce strategy and that bode well for the, for for Target. And now when we look forward, you know, Target also has a strong essentials, strong e-commerce, but the reopening is a strong play for them going forward. So Target is one that I really, really like at this time. Grasso, you came in with the international angle. Is that what you're looking at next? I hear that from a lot of people. They're behind us in terms of the reopening, and so maybe that's the next place for value. Yeah, yeah. For, for me, I'm in a stock uh, called Trinseo, T-S-E, and that one has a, uh, a, a higher leverage to the global economy or to Europe versus the U.S. So look for stocks. If, you're, if you want to buy an ETF that's, uh, that's levered to, to Europe, reopenings, that's great. But look for your names that have an outsized leverage to Europe. So maybe 60% Europe, 40% here or, or thereabouts. But you shouldn't look for just domestic names like the home builders because th there's too much headwinds for them. Mm -hmm. BK, um, what I noticed in today's session was um, a lot of the commodities that had hit record highs coming off. And I'm wondering if we're at a point where, where we're seeing elasticity. In other words, the pricing's getting high and people don't want to pay it, so the prices come back down. I mean, have we reached that sort of natural point? I think it's some commodities we probably have. I mean, if you look at something like lumber, and this is why Pulte will be kind of interesting, you know, there is plenty of wood around. The bottleneck is at the sawmill. So mm. prices have come up and up. You can start hiring people. There's demand there. So I wouldn't be surprised to see those things, you know, something like lumber start to come down, which, again, would be a really good thing for a Pulte Homes. Their input costs would go down. We already know they still have unbelievable demand. Um, so, uh, you know, of Tom's Epicenter stocks, that's the one that I'm going to be watching. 
Coming up, the blockchain boom. We are breaking down the crazy week for crypto. Our own Bitcoin baller, Brian Kelly, is digging into the wild moves and where we're headed next. But first, we're going shopping. Major retailers on deck to report earnings next week. Find out which of these names our traders are adding to their carts. Much more Fast Money right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Fast Money. Retail sales stalling in April, but a look inside the report gives you a good read on where the consumer is shifting. Spending on clothing and furniture falling last month while spending on bars, restaurants and autos rose. We're going to get a fresh read on retail next week when a bunch of big names report. So we wanted to know what one retail stock or traders are watching heading into next week. Steve, why don't you kick it off? So Macy's is my barometer for the for the retail uh, space, believe it or not. I know you could you could pick a, a host of other names, but Macy's came into the pandemic extremely weak and they've done a number of things trying to control their inventory, just different strategies around e-commerce, different strategies about in-person shopping. Stores are reopening. The stock is up 60 percent. I want to see if all of those initiatives work for Macy's, because if it works for Macy's, it's got a good chance of working for the rest of the, uh, the rest of the retail space. The name I'm long is Capri Holdings. They don't report for two weeks, but Macy's is going to be my barometer, Melissa. Yep. Delano, how about you? Yeah, Melissa, I talked about a little bit before, and, and the name was Target, and there's a couple of reasons why. And, and if we look at the operating margin, Target has a higher operating margin than Walmart, and we've been talking about prices being passed to consumers. So how does that play for these companies, especially a company like Target, that could possibly increase giving back uh, to shareholders with increased dividends and uh, of, of sorts of the like of that? And so another thing, reason why, what I mentioned earlier is why I like Target is we look at what co- companies are doing across the board when we had essentials, and now we're looking for higher priced goods goods that are no longer needed for essentials, and Target does really well in that space versus their competitors. So I think Target still has much, much more room to run. Investors have to taper their expectations when it comes to e-commerce, because that's going to probably slow down for a couple of quarters for a lot of these companies that were doing really, really well during the, during the, the, the height of the pandemic time. So, you know, I'm really still looking at Target. It's one I'm long and one I'm really still bullish on. Brian Kelly. Uh, Well, for me, it's the Home Depot. So as you astutely pointed out, Melissa, there is a shift going on in what people are buying, clothing and that type of thing. I know for me, it wasn't but a fortnight ago that I bought a pair of slacks for the first time in a long time. (laughs) So what I want to see is, is there a finite amount of dollars where I can only spend on slacks? Or actually, are people like Steve Grasso, who's gardening, 
going to the Home Depot still and buying both slacks and garden supplies. That to me is going to be a key whether or not we're going to have this sustained economic boom. I didn't think of one precluding the other, but that is a very good point. People have limited dollars. All right. Coming up, I hope Steve is wearing pants, though. Coming up, Doge does it again. This crypto in rally mode today, but will it be rough trading ahead? Apologies for that. The trade is next. And later, is it time to cash in your chips on MGM? The options action crew shuffling the deck and dealing that trade. You've got that and much more. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got a Bitcoin alert. Twitter and Square CEO Jack Torsey just tweeting, tweeting this. Bitcoin changes everything for the better, and we will forever work to make Bitcoin better. The cryptocurrency breaking out today, moving back above 50,000 earlier. Um, Brian Kelly, it's interesting because Elon Musk obviously raising the climate concerns here. Jack Dorsey seems to be addressing that, saying overall, even if you have those concerns, Bitcoin improves everything. What do you think? It's like a war of words here. Yeah. So, yeah, a battle of the billionaires in Bitcoin, a, a triple B. So uh, alliteration aside, what I, what I think is interesting, you think about the history of tech, it continually improves. So, you know, listen, there's no doubt that Bitcoin uses a lot of electricity. There's a lot of studies that show that a good portion of that electricity that Bitcoin use is renewable green energy. And therefore, Bitcoin is like a subsidy for green energy. But let's just even say it was completely mined with coal, uh, dirty energy. The history of tech shows you it can improve and it can get better. So to me, that looks like an investment thesis. Hey, this thing's going to get better. If that's the only problem you have with Bitcoin is that some province in China happens to have a lot of coal and they mine Bitcoin with, that can change. And if that changes, then our friend Elon's going to come back and be buddies with Jack again. But help us think about this, because this climate um, issue or, or the, the fact that Bitcoin used a lot of energy, that's been around for, for a while. Um, and so what is it that Bitcoin miners, is, I think it's, what is it, 70 percent of the energy they use is renewable or something like that? A lot of the energy they use is, is, is energy that otherwise would not even be used. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So you look at China, which is the biggest miner. Uh, of the five largest provinces, four of the provinces use hydro, and it's almost 90% of the Bitcoin mine in China is done with renewable energy. It's only one province, which is Inner Mongolia, that has all these coal plants. You look at Iceland, you look at uh, Washington State here in the U.S., again, almost 80, 90% of the Bitcoin mine is with renewable energy. Mm. So Bitcoin miners are looking for the cheapest energy out there renewable hydro all of these resources that tend to be stranded or there's a lot of it tend to give you cheap energy therefore right. you know bitcoin is this subsidy for green energy real quick delano would you rather coinbase or bitcoin oh bitcoin bitcoin definitely why real quick um, you know <laughs> yeah high, high level i think you know we're talking about you know, a payment source, excuse me, a payment network. We're looking at store of value. Mm -hmm. um, we're looking at something that, as Brian kind of was mentioned, it, it's, it's, it's bigger than, you know, just an exchange, right? right? We're looking at something that's an evolving technology. Okay. Time for the final trade. Let's go around the horn. Steve. West Rock broke out, continues to break out. Delano. Zoom. I'm liking Zoom, so I would go Zoom here. Mm. Brian Kelly. O'Reilly Automotive, if you can't buy them, you got to fix them. O-R-L-Y. All right, that does it for us here on Fast, but do not go anywhere. Options Action is up next.
people today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. 